Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. This is the word of God for the people of God. So I have found very interesting stories on the internet constantly. Um, But my new favorite, I think I ran into about two weeks ago. It was a woman telling a story. So she works at Disney World and she's doing her job and a kid walks up to her and starts going, hi-ya, hi-ya, hi-ya. And her dad rushes up and says, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Let me tell you why she's doing that. She's impersonating someone from the movie Mulan. And our girl says, you mean me? She's dressed up as Mulan at Disney World. And the dad felt the need to explain to her. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Has something like this ever happened to you? Where someone is explaining something that you, um, like in all the things in this world, you actually know a little bit better than they do? I have some lawyers in the room, yes. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, thanks Kendall. So sometimes we do know better, right? Uh, To the moms in the room, has a gentleman who's not an MD ever tried to explain to you the pain of childbirth or what's equivalent for them? To the men in the room, I'm going to tell you, if you get nothing else from this sermon today, don't. Just don't. I have a mouthwash that I used this morning in my bathroom, um, and it says, 24-hour protection, used twice daily. On Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday, a friend of mine who really objectively is smarter than me in every area of my life, except one, tried to explain to me the order of events in the Bible, which I have two degrees in and I'm about to be ordained because I know it. He's a lawyer, bless him. Or one that I'm guilty of too, and we've all done it. You ever been in a conversation where someone's discussing something and it's an event they all seem to know about or a person they all seem to know about and you just nod along. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, they're great. I love them. Sometimes we don't actually know who is in front of us, right? Um, Anybody remember kids? The first time you watched Frozen? How shocked were we when Hans was the villain the whole time and he was right in front of us? That was devastating, right? 
We thought love was an open door. Turns out it's not. Or uh, Ernie Hudson, who according to IMDb has been a character in everything, but you might know him as his character um, in Ghostbusters. And after the sequel came out, they decided to make this video game, and so there was a casting call to voice the characters of the video game, and so um, Ernie goes into an audition, and he reads for the part of Winston, and the director comes out and says, no, that's not how Ernie Hudson does it. And he said, I'm Ernie Hudson. My other favorite is Paul McCartney tells stories all the time about his grandchildren beating him at the game Rock Band. You remember Rock Band? And any time that they would start to, like, make fun of Paul McCartney, make fun of him for beating them, he would just remind them very politely, hey, I wrote this song. <laughs> and sometimes we really don't see what's right in front of us. I was on a mission trip a few years ago, and this was um, a youth and young adult combined mission trip with my last church, Lover's Lane, and we went down to Victoria, Texas, right after Hurricane Harvey. And uh, on mission trips, Usually, you get split up into different groups on different sites, but this one was special. We were all together on one work site. And even better, we were all together on top of the roof of the one work site. Y'all, that's a lot of time together. And that's if you like teenagers, Katrina. Uh, so so we're, we're, up <laughs> we're up there, and I kid you not, the, the kids would always come up, and it would be like this. Carrie Lynn, have you seen my communion chalice? Nine times out of ten, it was right in front of them. The missing hammer was always like right here. Every single time. And it got to the point where us adults, um, we only have like four rules on mission trips. We had to impose a fifth rule. And it was, you must look around the roof one time before you ask me where something is. We're on the roof. Everything's up there. You had to look before you ask. Now, I find this story in the Bible absolutely hysterical. And when you're reading and interpreting the Bible, if you don't find things funny in here, I don't know how you find things funny in life. This book's hilarious. So many absurd things happen in the Bible. And so if no one's ever given you permission to laugh at the Bible, let me just put that in front of you today and you spend your week seeing if you can laugh at the Bible. Bless you. So we're going to review what's happening here. So this story, remember, is happening on Easter Sunday morning, that very first Easter Sunday morning, and these two disciples are walking on this road. It's the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem, which is only about seven miles for my hiking types in the room. Um, and they were doing what I think you and I would have done in that situation. They were talking about what was going on. Now, I can talk to a wall and still have a pleasant conversation between the two of us. But even those of you who aren't as chatty would have found the events of Good Friday something to talk about, right? So they're walking and they're talking about what's going on. I wonder if they were talking about Jesus' unfair trial. Were they talking about Judas' betrayal? Did they mention Peter's denial? Or the fact that Mary Magdalene was there the whole time and never left him? Or were they talking about their own feelings? Remember the feelings wheel we brought out last summer? Maybe they used the feelings wheel on the road to Emmaus and they were talking about how what had happened was making them feel. 
And then Jesus appears and starts walking along with them. And I love Jesus. <laughs> this, is, this is one of my favorite stories about Jesus because um, it, it's just absurd, right? So Jesus says, well, what are you guys talking about as you're walking along the road here? And they said to him, and man, they bless it. They said to him, are you the only person in all of Jerusalem that has no idea what's been going on the last few days? Or in the Carrie Lynn version of the Bible, dude, do you live under a rock? And so then they tell Jesus what happened to Jesus. It's absolutely ridiculous, right? Exactly. <laughs> Guys, if, if Jesus came through those doors and sat next to Cammy right here, do you think that I would say, now Jesus, you're a cool guy. You fed thousands of peoples and you performed miracles. Did you know that you died on a cross and then rose from the dead? Three days? I'm not gonna do that. Are you? We're not going to pretend we know better than Jesus. Right. But things for the two disciples only seem to get more ridiculous because the story tells us that as they're walking alongside Jesus on the road, Jesus starts talking to them. He's interpreting scripture for them that goes all the way back, generations back, all the way back to the story of Moses in the Old Testament. And they still didn't recognize him. How many people do you know offhand, without their Bible, without a piece of paper, could theologize generations of the Old Testament without looking while walking along a side of dusty road? I'm going to tell you right now, none of your pastors can do it. That's not what they teach us in seminary. But our guys still can't see that it is Jesus right in front of them. And I want you to remember what verse 16 says. This is really interesting. So verse 16 tells us why they can't see Jesus. And it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And some people try to play this off and they're like, well, Jesus probably looked different. Or um, God made it so that they wouldn't see Jesus, which I think is even more absurd. Um, but the Greek verb that's used here is actually a verb that has no agent attached to it. It's not that they um, were kept from seeing because God said, I'm not going to see, or Jesus had a different body. They just were straight up missing what was right in front of them. Maybe they were focused on the road and they were missing it, or maybe they were so overwhelmed of the past few days they really can't see who's in front of them, or if you'd like to believe that the sun was maybe in a weird position where they couldn't recognize him. But God didn't cover their eyes. And I think it's fair to say that they were not expecting Jesus, so they didn't see Jesus. So the question I want us to think about this morning is this. Are we missing seeing Jesus because we're not expecting to see Jesus. I get a real kick out of the humor and the irony I find in scripture, and I always kind of joke that it's my favorite indoor sport to make fun of biblical characters. And right as I'm on the precipice of a stomach ache from laughing so hard, I'm usually confronted with that I do the exact same thing. I'm usually um, hit with my own ways that I miss the point of what's going on right in front of me. Are we missing the Jesus that's right in front of us? 
Remember the Mulan story from earlier? Um, are we not recognizing that Jesus is right in front of us and we're trying to explain why? That Jesus, who knows us, is trying to tell us something about us. Do we try to assert the real Jesus wouldn't say that? When the real Jesus in front of us saying exactly what we said the real Jesus wouldn't say? Are we making fun of things that we forget Jesus created himself? One of the things I love about children's time is, um, if you know anything about the Trinity, we usually get two out of three in answers that we have to questions. Right, and the Trinity is not something we preach on a whole lot, but it just a quick nugget for you all to take. When we talk about Jesus, we also mean God. We also mean the Holy Spirit. They are three and they are one and it's a thousand percent confusing and that's okay. And you can graduate seminary and it's still confusing. And people missing the point is, is all in the Bible. It's all over the place. It even is in the Old Testament. Um, Proverbs, which is this book of um, wisdom, little small wisdom nuggets, I would say, um, and it's got 31 chapters in it. And so uh, you could read a chapter a day and read the whole book of Proverbs in a month. But Proverbs 18, verse 2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing personal opinion. And this passage is really, really, really tough for me. And that's in the Old Testament. And so I've started to pay attention how my own expectations are hurting or helping me. And I've started paying attention to how other people's expectations are hurting or helping themselves. So on Easter Monday, it is the day that pastors get to sleep in, except the ones that have children. But I have a dog, and she was up at 530 so Easter Monday, the day that we're all supposed to be just snoozing away, Rosie's awake, which is fine. So I'm awake, and I sat down, and it's 5.30 in the morning, and so what better to do than scroll through HBO Max and decide, you know what, I'm going to watch a movie. And I'm going to watch a movie that I know I'm not going to like, so I can spend my time talking out loud to myself and the dog, making fun of it. Because that's what's fun for me on an Easter Monday morning at 5.30 in the morning. So I turn on the new Batman movie because I thought I didn't like Aquaman. Best day of my life was roasting it. We're going to do the same thing with Batman. I loved it. I was so ready to hate Robert Pattinson as Batman because I'm an anti-Twilight person. Loved it. Absolutely incredible. Fantastic storyline. Fantastic music. Fantastic visuals. About 20 minutes in, I had to change my attitude towards the two-and-a-half-hour movie. I enjoyed the experience. I didn't miss the point of a good movie. But I had to change my expectations of what I was doing. What do you expect when you walk in the doors on Sunday mornings? Are your expectations helping or hurting you? When David or I stand up here and we give a sermon, if you're expecting to be offended and you're expecting to be hurt and you're expecting to not like it, is your listening tainted? If you expect to feel nothing during the hour of worship, nope, music doesn't get me, liturgy doesn't get me, sermons don't get me, communion doesn't get me, don't you think you're just closed off to what could possibly happen anyways? 
or you're so worried that everyone in here is going to be judging you if you walk in the doors that you're judging them for preemptively judging you. Or do you expect to see the risen Jesus Christ walking alongside of you? Do you expect to learn from people who are different from you are, from literal infants during their baptism? Do we expect to learn from a different generation from us that maybe is older than we are? Do you expect to be moved by worship in any way deemed possible that your heart is open to anything that could happen in the hour of worship? Do you expect that the risen Christ might appear out of nowhere in any form right in front of you so unlike verse 16, your eyes are open to it? In this hour alone, I have seen the risen Christ. When Abby was coming up the stairs for her baptism and she squealed with excitement, that's the risen Christ. If you don't know, both Blair and Adam are ordained in the United Methodist Church, and so as you can imagine, they've both been a part of a lot of baptisms of other people's kids. But you saw them stand up here and take the vows the opposite direction that they've done hundreds of times for their own child. If you don't think that was the risen Christ, you're not paying attention. Two clergy women who aren't part of Creekwood but are part of our connection baptized a double clergy baby, which if anybody needs extra baptism grace, it's clergy kids. Bless them. Two clergy women who wouldn't have been allowed to perform a baptism 50 years ago did so for the child of a clergywoman and a clergyman. If you don't think that's the risen Christ, you're missing the point. A lot of us in here um, followed and prayed more fervently maybe ever in our lives than we have for Buddy Stapp a few months ago when he was in the hospital. And if you don't look back there and see that man in his walker and don't think that that's the risen Christ, you have missed the point. When you're in church and you hear a child crying or you hear somebody exclaiming something and you are thinking to yourself, ugh, you're missing the point. When a child screams or when a baby cries or when a baby squeals, that is life happening. You cry, you squeal. There is life happening all around you. We've got kids on the floor that are playing, that are messing with their parents as we speak. Hardy, come on now. I'm trying to help you out, dude. <laughs> Hardy Finley's the risen Christ even when he's bothering the heck out of his mother. I don't want us to miss the point. The risen Christ is in and among each and every one of us. When we talk about the risen Christ, we also mean the Holy Spirit. We pray all the time that the Holy Spirit would come and be among us and around us and in front of us and behind us. When we pray baptismal water out, we ask that the Holy Spirit make it something special, even though it's just Fairview water. In a minute, we're going to take communion and we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit make bread and grape juice something extraordinary for us. And we believe that the Holy Spirit will do it. 
every single one of us is made in God's image. And we are bound together by the Holy Spirit because we take part in the resurrection of Jesus. And so this week, and maybe even the rest of this hour, and when you go to Sunday school, I want you to keep your eyes open to see the risen Christ among you. And I think if you start actively looking for it, you might be surprised just how much you find it. There are challenges that are in the way of seeing it. It's not the easiest thing in the whole wide world. It's hard to see the risen Christ among us. His own disciples couldn't do it. Expect the risen Christ in your commute to work if there's traffic. Expect the risen Christ in a baby's cry in public spaces. And especially, especially, especially when you walk in those doors on Sunday mornings, expect to see the risen Christ and start looking for it. May our eyes be open to the risen Christ among us, within us, and between us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the ways in which your resurrection shows up among us. For the ways that we hear babies cry, we see medical miracles right in front of us. We hear musicians that you have gifted so that they can lead us in worship. May we not get in our own way to experience you walking alongside us, talking with us, telling the things that you need to tell us. God, we ask that you would keep our eyes open so we may see the risen Christ with us. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.